0: Bugle, audio newspaper for a visual world. Hello Buglers, and welcome to issue 4,284 of The Bugle. I think we're now only about 10 episodes away from overtaking the John Oliver era total number of episodes. It's very exciting times on this podcast. It's the uh, penultimate Epsidio of 2023. Oh, is is that a misprint? Epsidio? Is that a misprint or a technical term? Not sure. Let's see how it pans out. I think it might be an Epsidio, which I think is an obscure form of musical arrangement or folk dance. Do keep an ear out for my feet scuttling away under the desk as we record. I am Andy Zaltzman. It is 15th of December, 2023, and with just 10 days left before Christmas, it is surely time to ask... Are we all absolutely sure that that little magic baby was all that? I mean, if he'd been really magic, wouldn't he have magic a fully-functioning maternity suite with a birthing pool instead of a low-grade f***ing agricultural manger? Not for me to say, <laughs> uh, but um, joining me today as uh, the year enters its final half-month before regenerating into 2024. Uh, Firstly, freshly back from the USA, it's Tiffany Stevenson. Uh, Welcome back. Hi. Welcome back, Tiff. Hi. I'm palm spring forward,
1: or whatever. I don't know. (laughs) I was, yeah, I've been in America, and it was
0: American. Are people excited about the prospect of a year's worth of presidential election campaign coming up,
1: It's already, it's already sort of ramping up. It's already, Trump's already on the TV uh, giving uh, gross opinions about women. So it just feels like 2016. Right. Feels like it's amping up.
0: Right. Um, well, <laughs> uh, from a hopefully less f-ing terrifying part of the world in Dublin, uh, it's uh, welcome back to Neil Delamere. Hello, uh, hello. Neil. Are, you, are you excited about, about the American election? Oh, yeah, I'm I mean, very excited about yeah. the American election.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, people love Joe Biden here. People have claimed Joe Biden. People claim... Every American president uh, except Donald Trump. So we claimed <laughs> Barack Obama. We claimed John F. Kennedy. We claimed Ronald Reagan. We tra- we claimed Joe Biden. And when Trump came over, Trinity College Genealogical Society was just like, uh, we've, we've locked up for the night. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there was a yeah, fire in the T-section specifically. It's really odd. <laughs> they can't be helped. Try Scotland.
1: <laughs> yeah, Scotland. It should have been Scotland that claimed him. And Scotland made it very clear what they thought of him. With a big sign.
2: Yes. We know the person who held that sign as well, yes. don't we? Yeah. But no, I'm talking to you from Dublin where things are very exciting here. I have an exclusive for The Bugle. Oh, The latest episodes of Squid Game are currently being filmed in Dublin. A couple of weeks ago, all the players had to play this weird game where they rioted in their tracksuits in the city centre. I don't know if you saw it. <laughs> um, setting buses and, and the tram system on fire. So that's right.
0: look out for that next year. Very exciting. Okay. Well, it's... Uh Because I think there's tax breaks for filming in in Ireland, aren't there? Is that that, that why Squid Game's ended up on the streets there? Um, Yeah, I think that's (laughs) it. uh, We are recording on the 15th of December, meaning it is exactly 15 years since my listening to the radio commentary of the India of England test match in Chennai was rudely interrupted uh, by being called into impromptu service as a freelance midwife uh, when uh, my son was um, slightly... uh, unexpected well not completely un- it wasn't completely unexpected <laughs> <laughs> it was just unexpected is not the right unexpected at that specific time i mean he was not due out for another three or four days i think so uh yeah we ran about the 98.9 percent pregnant point but anyway happy birthday uh to uh the can boy I, bittersweet memories to can i honest. ask you a question given yeah. how much you love cricket when
2: yeah. he was out did you go how's <laughs>
1: that <Did> you-
0: <laughs> that's what you shouted. isn't it Pretty much, yeah. Did, um, did you say
1: leg before wicket?
0: I I, um. I, 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 It was one of the finest catches I've ever taken, um, and you know, I threw him in the air. High five the wife. But you know, part, apart from that, it was, uh, it was rock solid, rock solid piece of wicket keeping. Um, bittersweet memories, to be honest. I had the extraordinary experience and privilege of delivering. my my own son out of his frankly weird secret hiding place and into the world (laughs) and uh, yeah I've enjoyed all the joy, love and happiness that he's brought us ever since but set against that England blew a winning position and lost a game they really should, that was tough to swallow I mean India were chasing 387 to win, obviously what was then the fourth highest successful chase in the final endings of a test match and you know that's but luckily the memory that memory is at least partially leavened by 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 having a the birth of my second child but it still it still stings
1: how is this not instantly divorce Andy (laughs) (laughs) this kind of conversation
2: (laughs) do you think that he's broadcasting from his shed that's where he lives now
0: (laughs) she got the house (laughs) because of this conversation um on uh, on this day in 1836 the uh patent office building in Washington DC almost burnt to the ground almost 10,000 uh, patents were destroyed as well as 7,000 patent models apparently now, and so we lost a lot of potential inventions that were uh awaiting um approval uh, the fire destroyed uh, amongst other uh, things the um, patent applications for the mecha- mechanical steam A mechanical steam-powered albatross that uh, could have uh, brought... Uh, powered flight forward by what seventy odd years? The prayer repult, which was a new device to be used in churches to twang people's prayers more accurately to God. Um, the uh, average uh, successful prayer response at the time was down around about the four percent mark, and it was hoped that the prayer repult would get it up to more like eleven twelve percent. But uh, sadly, uh, we never saw it in action. The anti snooze desk, which had a <laughs> snore activated finger guillotine, so if you felt sleepy on your desk. Um, you would just put your finger in the finger guillotine, and uh, the subconscious fear of having your finger sliced off um, by the pressure-activated uh, anti-snooze desk would uh, generally wake you up on time. That was the that was the plan. Sadly, never uh, never made. The stovepipe hat oven, that's for keeping your packed lunch warm. Abraham Lincoln uh, d- did have a subsequent version uh, of that, and uh, the also the patent for the internet. I was destroying that. Put that back by uh, well, hundred and. Uh, 100, over 150 years uh, On um, and on this day oh well not this day but the 16th of December 1773 the Boston Tea Party when uh, the Sons of Liberty Revolutionary Group disguised themselves as Mohawk Indians I don't think that was okay guys and for me that pretty much invalidates the entire history of the independent USA but anyway they, they um they used some <laughs> questionable costume choices and dumped hundreds of crates of tea into Boston Harbor. Salty water, way below optimum brewing temperature. What a fucking waste? Um, and uh, the Is rest, it a
1: hard cancel from you, Andy? Uh,
0: absolutely hard. Hard cancel of the entire USA. Uh, that was uh, what now? That was two uh, two hundred and fifty years ago. Tomorrow. Wow. Well, that's very uh, much the Justin Trudeau of their day. that's really the turning point in US history when it all started going irreversibly downhill As uh, always, a section of this uh, podcast is going straight in the bin. This week, as we continue our look ahead to Christmas and potential presents you might buy, uh, we review some of the new board games that are flying off the shelves uh, this Christmas time, including Charles Darwin's Theory of Evil Evolution, (laughs) an evolution-themed snakes-and-ladders-inspired game of uh, genetic stunt leaps. Can you twang your species across a series of potential extinction-causing canyons to evolute faster than your opponents, thus becoming the dominant species... On the planet, uh, choose from a selection of starter species, including ape, fish, uh, and uh, lizard and robot. Um, Also, we review Call Customer Service, a new uh, thrilling customer service-based board game uh, in which you have to avoid being useful uh, to any fellow (laughs) human. Uh, You have to avoid allowing your opponents to get through to a human operator or providing uh, any advice that might help them. Uh, If they storm out of the room screaming in frustration... At uh, what we've become as a species before they move their piece to the elusive genuine help square on the board, you are the winner (laughs) and you get extra points for playing your your call is important to us card the most times before other players tip the board over and start weeping Uh, and uh, fairly basic uh, quiz card game rabbit or rabbi. Uh, where you have a selection of 100 cards. 50 of them describe rabbits, 50 of them describe rabbis. And uh, your partner has to guess if you're describing a rabbit or a rabbi. It's just as much fun as it sounds. That section is in the bin. (laughs) Top story this week, the world has been saved. Well, we looked ahead to the uh, COP28 conference in the last issue of The Bugle a couple of weeks ago. And thankfully... Uh, the world has been saved. Everything's fine now. We can all uh, stop worrying about recycling and stuff because the world has been saved by a vague agreement to transition away from fossil fuels. Um, I think that now means we can, uh, we can just start being as reckless uh, as we like with, uh, with litter and everything is going to be fine. Um, I know both of you are huge fans of the planet um, uh, do you think this is a you know, a genuine breakthrough, a missed opportunity or a commercially driven stitch up or a bit of all of those three things? Well, I saw, I saw
2: people being pretty underwhelmed by the agreement on the news. I saw one woman, she goes, these proposals haven't exactly set the world on fire. And I thought, no, that's exactly what they have done. They have set the world on fire. COP 27 was in Egypt, COP 28 was in Dubai, COP 29 will be chaired by uh, chaired by SpongeBob SquarePants <laughs> in the, uh, hold on, I have it here, the Davy Jones Locker Conference Centre, apparently. <laughs> we are all doomed. The only people who give you any hope are the kids protesting at the event, 12-year-olds and 13-year-olds saying, end fossil fuels now, because they know they're the ones who's going to be banned, Jacks. My 8-year-old nephew asked, you know what he asked for, for Santa, from Santa Claus? Uh, Gills, that's what he asked for, because he knows what's coming. <laughs> So the phrase phasing out fossil fuels was in the first draft, but the OPEC uh, the OPEC countries, which stands for Oil Produces Environmental Catastrophe, I think. I'm not I'm not sure on that. <laughs> but they sent a letter around to their delegates, going, you know, don't let them say this and protest against that wording. But because they are the oil industry, the letter leaked. Did they clean up <laughs> after themselves? No, they did not. So the first uh, draft agreement said phasing out fossil fuels, and then the second draft agreement did not. So next year, I reckon they'll have to have an agreement on wind energy. So every agreement will be a draft agreement and they'll, <laughs> they'll have the first draft, draft agreement. Then they'll have a second draft, draft agreement. Then they'll hopefully have a final draft, draft agreement. Uh, a uh, Gmail Trump- drafts. It could be in drafts in Gmail and if Trump gets in, um, will he vote against it? He famously dodged the draft. They'll get it through because some countries' negotiator, negotiators are better at strategy than others. They're playing chess where the other lads are playing drafts and uh, they'll all go out to celebrate and have a few pints as long as the beer is
0: on. Well, I think you know the rest of that please.
1: <laughs>
0: um, I, I know someone who was at the entire conference um, and uh, I asked him for an 11 word summary of COP28 and this is what he sent to me, he was there for the whole two weeks he said, the 11 word summary is this surely this is someone else's problem no, shit, well um, perhaps <laughs> so I, I think you know that's, that's progress of sorts I think um, for, you know, to have gone from you know, just I mean, perhaps is better, isn't it? Perhaps it's yeah. a step forward, I think.
1: Well, they, like, they said the text in the draft um, states the huge challenge with crystal clarity. And are we involving crystals at this point? Are we involving... Because in that case, every woman in my friendship circle now thinks she can solve climate crisis, including me. I think we just need to moon bathe a rose quartz... Um, and I'll do some tarot think, and we'll have it I, fixed.
0: I think Crystal Clarity has got a court case coming up against Donald Trump as well. In New York well,
1: there's another suggestion, actually. Um, the, the hot air that appears every time Donald Trump speaks will be repurposed <laughs> as an alternative heating source. But,
2: so, but how how can you not be concerned? Like,
1: even, even
2: if you're not concerned about climate, right? Surely people can see that it will drive climate immigration. And the Tory government at the moment are obsessed with immigration to the extent, like, it makes them look mad. Like, so much <laughs> so much focus on small boats. It just makes them look so odd. The UK had net immigration figures last year of less than 750,000, right? The small people arriving at small boats were 50,000, less than 50,000 of those people. So if you came home and there were 15 people in your house and 14 of them had come through your windows and your doors, if your main response to that was, better block up that chimney... You look <laughs> mad,
0: particularly at this time of year. Uh, you yeah, just I mean that is a waste. You're, you're, yeah, you're biting, your, your nose up, biting your face, aren't you? <laughs> um, uh, we will touch more on, on that uh, on that story later uh, uh, later in the show. But I mean, just, just to, to pick you up on this, that the, the key thing with this Neil is. What you're expecting here is politicians to address the genuine root cause of an issue, rather than the easily observable uh, symptom that they can bark on about. So, I mean, that's that's naive on your it part. Is. Expecting a <laughs> it is. It is. It's, it's me being overly. the heart of the issue.
2: Yeah, it's me being overly optimistic. I mean, you could look at a as. In a negative way, like in a decade, oceans will flood inland, uh, making large areas of land uninhabitable. Or you could look at it positively. In 10, wor- ten years, the world will be more like a spa in <laughs> that it will be the temperature of a sauna and all baths will be, by definition, seaweed baths. So, right. I mean, pluses and minuses, Andy. This Yeah, is mix that in of- with
1: the crystals. I've got a great <laughs> weekend happening. Oh, we're going glamping. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Get your yurt. We're getting it on <laughs> Um, it was it was the first time uh, at a cop uh, conference uh, that a deal was uh, sort of mentioned fossil fuels as uh, a, a, you know a, a cause of of climate change and 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 committed nations to transition away from fossil fuels obviously that commitment comes with the usual caveats in any environmental agreement um caveats including uh, if they can be asked um if they can't get away with not doing so and yada 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 so but you know that's about as, as clear and and definitive as a commitment gets in the world of environmental science um and i guess you know they say the aim is to avert the worst effects of climate change and again that's acceptance that you know humanity as a whole is essentially chosen to embrace bad effects of climate change but we have finally reached a point where we will now not embrace the worst of so essentially our game of species level environmental S M. We have we have found <laughs> our limit and at COP twenty-nine next year there will hopefully be an agreement to uh, uh, to agree on the human race's safe word. So so there is progress. <laughs> progress is being made.
2: What is a safe word? it Greta. It would be Greta, <laughs> wouldn't it? it
1: would be <laughs> uh fossil fuels are gonna be phased out unless they're running for high office. Right. In which case, <laughs> that's fine. They can leave their retirement community in Del Boca Vista to be president. Um, if I can slip a Seinfeld (laughs) but but what Neil's kind of saying about the government's looking good is a lot of them are happy to promote clean energy so they just keep saying the phrase clean energy which kind of throws me because it always sounds like a supplement someone sells you under the counter at the gym (laughs) you know it's real clean my dude mega gains yeah (laughs) like clean energy is a catchphrase I mean the report I did delve into a little bit and one of the Things they found in the report about what's been done so far um, and any results. Uh, from the last summits the report found that the technology to suck carbon dioxide out of the atmosphere would have done almost nothing to stop global heating this year current levels of technology-based removal which does not include carbon absorbed by trees are more than one million times smaller than current fossil co2 emissions the researchers found so what we need is something that sucks bigger and harder for longer, like a like a slutty <laughs> little Henry the Hoover with a Dyson Airblade body.
0: All right, okay. Well, I think we can all get behind that dream. Um, <laughs> see, so next year's COP COP twenty nine next year this time next well, or about this time next year. Um, uh, so COP twenty eight has just taken place as we discussed in oil rich human rights sceptic Dubai. Next year COP twenty nine will be held in oil rich human rights sceptic Azerbaijan. I mean, this does seem to be the sort of geopolitical equivalent of getting Andrew Tate to host a seminar on gender equality in the workplace. It, it doesn't, I mean... Or I mean, we, I, we clearly you're, you're not a it. member of
2: Hustlers University. <laughs> the, their gender-based master's is absolutely top-notch. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, like, I still don't understand how people can, can deny climate change. Like, I don't know if it made it onto the Bugles radar this week, but... It's clearly causing more extreme weather events. There was a tornado in County Leecham in the west of Ireland. A tornado in the west of Ireland. Now, I know most listeners are thinking, that is wild. And I know Andy is thinking... Is Tony Drago, the Maltese snooker legend, <laughs> playing a tournament in the West of Ireland? <laughs> I know, and I know the Leecham Tornado does sound like the name of some bare-knuckle boxer like in the red corner, weighing in at a number that doctors have described as life-threatening, Larry the Leecham Tornado Morrissey. But it was wild. It 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 ripped up roofs of people's houses, cars were smashed, one girl didn't get back to her storm shelter in time, and her and her little terrier dog, the whole house, was lifted up and Moved from one place to another and landed on Suella Braverman. So it was a really <laughs> odd thing to happen. But there was an, there, there was this amazing little uh, cameo. So Leo Varadkar, the Taoiseach, turned up, right, to survey the havoc that was in the town. Now, some townspeople were looking for damages. He's the first openly gay Taoiseach that we've ever had, and he visited... Uh, Roscommon South Leitrim, which is the only constituency in the country to vote no in the equal marriage referendum a couple of years ago. So when they were going, oh, will you give us damages? I'd say Liam Racker was like, oh, no, you'll get your damages, all right. No. Oh, you'll definitely get your damages. Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, no, it's so bad, isn't it? It was a twister. Was it Was it a twister? Is everything bent? Oh, everything's bent, is it? Did it blow you? Did it blow you? It smashed your back door in. It did not. Yeah. Oh, no, fill in. Fill in that form there and I'll put that in the big bag of things I don't give a f- about. How about
1: that? I like, I like watching... Uh, I like the idea of watching how Ireland deals with with a tornado. Because in America, when they have hurricanes, there's a tendency, if they're in Florida, to try and shoot them. (laughs) (laughs) Which, you know... Which happened, I think it was Hurricane Irma, where they all decided that they would meet outside and shoot into the eye of the hurricane because, goddammit, Cletus, you show that windy bitch who's boss. <laughs> um, but not realising that kind of the current of the... I mean, imagine if you shoot a billet in, it's probably going to come straight back out and hit you. <laughs>
0: um, you mentioned that the USA, the USA, during COP, has pledged new finance uh, for less fortunate parts of the world uh to to deal with climate change the huge sum of 20 million dollars that's 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 the usa that's that's around about an average of five cents per person in the usa uh (laughs) and, and the usa remains the world's biggest uh polluter so that's i mean that is an almost heroically tokenistic sum i think um i think we need to acknowledge quite the effort it took to keep that sum so low um, this this term transitioning away, this commitment to transition away from fossil fuels. Um, I mean, it, it it's not always as easy as it sounds. I mean, we in Britain we have some experience in how difficult it can be to tr- transition away from stuff. Empire, for example, uh, which took us well decades, at least left a trail of ongoing problems around the world, and we still haven't come to terms with it psychologically. So that doesn't bode well. Uh, particularly, We tried transitioning away from monarchy in the mid-17th century by having Charles I's head transition away from his neck. That also <laughs> didn't go too well. And on current trajectory, we will only finally move on from having an unelected, God-appointed head of state in around about the year 12,472. So tra- d- committing to transition away from something doesn't always work out quite as quickly and well as you hope. Yeah, I mean, you did transition away from uh, burning Catholics, though. Yes, uh, only you by know. transitioning to burning witches instead. Yeah, and, yeah, um, but
2: I mean, listen, there were smokeless witches. And that's, <laughs>
0: that's, that's, that's very <laughs> important. Yeah. And the government planted a new witch for every witch they burned, so it was entirely sustainable.
1: <laughs> we, we don't want to persecute men and women when we can just persecute women.
0: <laughs> well, the, women are far more environmentally friendly. Um, when, they
2: burn at uh, a lower <laughs>
0: temperature as well. I mean, we don't make the rules. <laughs> Firing people to Rwanda news now, and the British government's dream of firing at least one person to Rwanda at the cost of a quarter of a billion pounds remains on track after Prime Minister Rishi Sunak uh, managed to see off a rebellion from his own MPs over the bill to allow uh, people to be twanged to Rwanda from our national uh, catapult. Um, <laughs> this is a story that we've talked about a lot over the course of, um, God, it seemed well way too long on this uh, on this podcast, and what is most baffling about it, and this is a government that is, you know, in the final twitchings of its elongated death throes before uh, an election at the some some point in the next year or so, uh, is that they just cannot let this go. The government is now in a position that it seems to think that it has to be seen to force through a plan that basically absolutely no one thinks will work in terms of dealing with the problem it's supposed to deal with. Not many people think is genuinely legal and pretty much everyone thinks is appalling value for money regardless of anything to do with the morality of it but the government cannot be seen to back down so it doesn't matter how insane a policy is what matters is that the government shows the strength of character to stick with its insanity (laughs) in the face of reality (laughs) evidence and logic and that is the state that's the stage we're at we're at now neil i know you found this fascinating watching as a uh, as an outsider wow
2: um, they spent 240 million quid on this Rwanda policy so far and the yep. Supreme Court decided it was illegal to send people I know that the bill has passed but I, the government has the same relationship to Rwanda as I have to the gym in that I've been sending it money for a for <laughs> an absolute fortune for the last few years but the chances of me or anybody else I know actually going are very very slim <laughs> and it's odd you're right they're so committed to this because it, and that, that, that kind of takes away from the other stuff that they want to get done, which they have gotten done to some degree, so they wanted to lessen the number of people coming in boats, and that has happened. And they wanted to have inflation, and that has happened as well. Now, when Sunak says he wants to have inflation, I think he might probably means putting fifty percent less air in the dinghies.
1: <laughs> it's every every Christmas they go. How can we make it seem most like this year's edition of a Christmas Carol? <laughs> and I'm gonna, and this is this is the attempt now. So it's the British su- Supreme Court who declared the policy unlawful. If you don't know what the Supreme Court is, it's not just regular court; it's Marks and Spencer's court. <laughs> um, and uh, it's it, it's sort of mad, isn't it? Because they were saying like there've been forty five thousand attempts by boat to breach the shores of the UK undetected, and that was just Michelle Moan on the good ship PPE. So. <laughs> Um, and the amount of money that's gone to this—it's—it's it's, it's a policy started by Boris, and there's nothing like like you say, doubling down on a bad idea. Sunak decided that he was going to double down on it, and then one of his uh, top five priorities was stopping the boats, like he was playing giant battleships. Um, and so I, I, I don't—it's it, Boris lied about the EU money. Do you remember his bus lie, where he said we'd save two hundred and fifty million by not being in the EU? So we're going to save 250 million by not being in the EU. And that's pretty much what we've paid to Rwanda to not take anyone.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you do have to remember that the uh, the, Ma- the Magna Carta or Magna Carta, as pedants like to call it, the foundation of you know, British law does have one of the very few clauses that still applies from the Magna Carta, along with freedom for the City of London and uh, when you're allowed to piss in a hedge, is... Uh, <laughs> Out of sight out of mind, uh, and that is you know the absolute key to this government policy. I mean, I don't quite know how they came up with this idea to fly asylum seekers to Rwanda I mean this 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 it's so baffling a country that is more crowded um and less well off th- than we are because we don't have the capacity or space. To take the, I mean, even by the the l- logic of British politics, this is pretty far far fetched. I've actually got a friend who works um, a fictional one. Uh, this one the, the one who was at the <laughs> cop, um, he gets around was, your friend, doesn't well, he? Well, the, the one who was at cop is actually real, uh, but this is a fictional one. Let me make that clear. But he works this fictional friend at the Oak Ridge Leadership Computing Facility in Tennessee, where they've recently installed Frontier, which is the world's most powerful computer. Um, now I asked my friend if he, if he could use Frontier's 8.7 million cores. That's over a million times more cores than a high-spec laptop has. Uh, it clocks in with 1.1 exaflops, um, which uh, is is not a term for a collection of former Conservative prime ministers. It's it's <laughs> a, some, something to do with computer processing. It works out at 1.1 quintillion operations per second which is even more than the NHS manages on its best days. Um, And I asked him if he could use this computer to formulate a more ridiculous policy than sending asylum seekers to Rwanda. And after two months of running it every night when the office is shut, still hasn't come up with anything even close. Uh, So I I think it was probably concocted by Suella Braverman during a seance with um, (laughs) former Australian um, Prime Minister... Scott Morrison, who was behind the, the Australian uh, similar policy. Um, uh, Salvador Dali, just for the absolute surrealis- surrealism of it, and Beelzebub himself. That's the only possible explanation for how this policy came about.
2: When you see Grant chaps having a go at Gary Lineker over a letter he signed on migration, we have reached... Peak culture war. Chaps has had <laughs> five or six cabinet positions in the last year. Like, you really can't put him anywhere. He's like Lionel Messi in that he's completely unsuited to politics. Like, why can we talk about why they brought David Cameron back? (laughs) Like, even that is insane. He's been gone for seven years. That's one third of a Leo DiCaprio girlfriend.
1: What (laughs) is going on? He's resigned.
2: He's enough money to retire comfortably. He has no hope of getting a job after the next election, and he still took it. This does not. Say a lot for the company of his wife and children, does it? (laughs) Would you rather spend time with your family or or try and fix the the Ukraine and the Middle East? I'll take Israel and Palestine,
1: (laughs) you very much, please. (laughs) I think that's, um, I think it's it's actually quite inspiring because it shows you don't even need to be an MP to be foreign secretary. So we can all Mm -hmm. just have a go.
2: Yeah, he had 350 people to choose from as MPs. Yes, <laughs> they to make a guy a lord. I don't know if this... this, this you know what it reminds me? It reminds you of, of when Australian rules football teams take Gaelic football players... And like it's like okay, you can have a new. You need a new captain, John. Oh, you can pick any of our guys from our squad, any of the guys from the academy, any of the guys from the underage teams. Who do you want? I'd like a part-time farmer from Monaghan, please.
1: <laughs> 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 well, it, the, the 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 terrifying thing about this, I don't know if it's terrifying, is that Sunak has brought forward emergency legislation. Uh, to push this through, that seeks to override any laws that would prevent the deportation scheme going ahead. So he's just like running roughshod over human rights conventions so that he doesn't get a vote of no confidence from hardliners. Um, and the hardliners don't care because they want to leave the EHRC. I don't know if you remember Theresa May a couple of years ago was like, "We don't, we don't want to be a member of the EHRC. We don't want our hands tied by the EHRC." And I was like, "Do you know what? They're against binding or restraint." of all forms the hrc that's the opposite of what they're going to do to you <laughs> uh, uh but uh, yeah it's um it's kind of terrifying to think oh you can just push through something with emergency legislation without it going through the proper due process is that not how is that being allowed to happen
0: uh, well, I think probably because absolutely everything to do with our political system has gone to shit, is the simple answer <laughs> to that. Um, yeah, there might be more detail that I'm unable to to get my head around. <laughs> Tourism news now, and well, let's lighten the mood a bit. Some uh, some wonderful news, Neil, for Ireland as a nation, for Dublin as a city. Uh, it turns out that Dublin, you know, wonderful city to visit, has the world's leading tourist attraction the guinness storehouse has beaten other contenders such as the grand canyon the acropolis and the taj mahal to become the (laughs) world's best just i mean i've not I've, i've not been to it can you explain how it's won its trophy and you know what makes it such an amazing place to go to
2: i would i don't know the process involved but i would imagine a great deal of bribery (laughs) is, <laughs>
1: I just,
2: no, I don't want to cast aspersions on the Guinness Storehouse, but I've been to the Guinness Storehouse, and I've also been to Machu Picchu, which it beat into second place. <laughs> and can I tell you that the Guinness Storehouse is not as good as a city <laughs> the Incas built in the Andes, so... <laughs> Six hundred years ago. Surprise, <laughs> surprise. <laughs> I have been to Machu Picchu. It is amazing. One of my favorite, the favorite things I've ever heard from a, a from a guide who was walking us up the mountain said, um, "Do you want to chew some coca leaves? And it'll give you energy." And I said, "Okay." And he goes, "No, go on, take them. It'll make you feel like asparagus." This is what he said. And I went, "What?" And he goes, "It'll make you feel like asparagus." Go on. And I said, "What are you talking about?" And he goes, "You know, asparagus. The film. You know, asparagus." No, Kirk Douglas. I'm asparagus. No, I'm asparagus. No, I'm asparagus. And that—that that was actually true. That wasn't like your imaginary friend in Oak Ridge. But um, yeah, it's—it's it's been a great year for Dublin. Attractions. So we had the uh, Guinness Storehouse beating Machu Picchu into second place and the Kilmainham Jail, which is the quintessential kind of Victorian jail in, in Dublin, um, won Best Museum of the World on TripAdvisor as well. So, wow. And that was based on, on TripAdvisor ratings. Uh, like, it does show you how things can change because it wasn't reviewed nearly as highly by the leaders of the 1916 Rising when they were there. Very <laughs> much um, very much a one-star rating there. Um, it really brings it home to you when you see De Valeris sell to think that one hundred years ago you could you could get a one bed in Dublin for less than two grand a month. It really <laughs> makes you think, you know. But if you if you if you go back online um you can actually find some of the TripAdvisor reviews from the 1916 leaders and um, I actually found James Conley's TripAdvisor rating and I, I think it'll shed a lot of light on it um, uh, We recently stayed at Kilmainham Jail a last minute surprise gift from the British government <laughs> uh, We had heard very mixed reports previously but some of our friends have stayed there recently and we haven't heard back from them at all so we thought it couldn't be too bad While the location is very convenient for <laughs> local attractions we found the staff unhelpful bordering on rude only single rooms are available and the ensuite is very basic. Exercise equipment is limited, just a single gymnastic ring in the yard. That's pretty dark, I'll be honest. <laughs> um, overall, the decor is quite dated and there are some holes in the terrace wall that need to be filled. The all-inclusive gruel package leaves a lot to be desired, although some <laughs> guests were given a free cigarette right before checkout.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's our final day here tomorrow and I can definitely say we won't be back. So that was very much a one-star view, but things right. have improved since then. You know, you can't deny it. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: it's interesting. So this is the Guinness Storehouse. So presumably, it's a. It was. It, you know, began life as a storage facility before it was a, a tourist attraction. And this is kind of exciting, isn't it? Because, you know, it used to be that you know to to become a you know a big, tourist attraction, you had to be you know, a temple or an important public building. But now. This opens up the tourist, tourism market for storage facilities with ambition anywhere around the world. I mean, down the, <laughs> down the bottom of my road, we've got an access stealth storage unit that opened up a couple of years ago. Um, and, you know, if, if we play our cards right here in South London, mm-hmm. within just a few years, you know, we could be sitting in absolutely prime Airbnb territory. We're talking 600 quid a night, 150 quid cleaning fee, just for people who want to go and see our storage facility. And, and, I mean, you the Guinness Storehouse is set. To you need set to stick this. a roof
1: really? garden on it to get that really <laughs> yeah, you fired need up. Because that's the addition. There's a sky bar at the... I did see this and kind of go, did Dads vote solely for this? <laughs> like, it feels like a Dads vote. Like, can we all go to the Guinness Storehouse? By the way, did I tell you I'm thinking of starting a microbrewery? Like, <laughs> that feels like... I know who's deciding. You're to still not going to beat the
2: Guinness Storehouse, though, Andy. In fact, you're going to be in third place in terms of storage facilities because we've the Guinness Storehouse and there's a guy in Belfast who has a wardrobe with a lion and a witch in it. So you're not going to beat that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but, I mean, I guess just you know, up against other storage faci- uh, facilities such as uh, the, the pyramids in Egypt, which are essentially a storage facility for uh, a corpse, um, you know, that's it's probably better... Probably better than that. I've got a few Guinness facts for those those of you listening who don't know uh, that much about Guinness. uh, Huge uh, part of uh, the Irish drinking um, identity. Uh, Guinness, here's your first Guinness fact. The renowned um, stout and metaphor for the European imperialist age was invented by Ireland's patron saint, St. Patrick, when shortly after driving all the snakes out of Ireland, he turned a bucket of mud covered in bird shit into a smooth, satisfying (laughs) and nutritious drink. Um Guinness is not, despite the claims, a meal in itself. It doesn't contain a cheese course. Uh, Fact three. If you drink a pint of Guinness in one continuous sip while standing on one leg at dawn on Midsummer's Morning whilst facing towards Dublin, it is said that you will fall in love with the first person to ask, why did you just do that? And you're also legally entitled to a free teddy bear from any participating Guinness retail outlet in the Southern Hemisphere. And uh, finally, fact four. The longest time uh, ever taken to drink a single pint of Guinness was 59 years. Uh, Young Father Padraig... how do you pronounce that? I mean, that's a name I've made up and I can't even pronounce it myself. O- O'Callaghan, I think. Uh, <laughs> Did left you and unfinished. <laughs> you think the
2: name you couldn't say. <laughs> left and, uh, that's too many bugles. That's too many bugles. You've actually had a psychotic break. One part of your brain is picking it a name that the other part of your brain can't pick. Mother, got, we're seeing a breakdown before our
1: very eyes. <laughs>
0: So I mispronounced, O'Callamahanahan, sorry. Oh, okay. uh, it left... He left uh, <laughs> an unfinished pint on the bar at the Old Naughty Carrot Pub in Belfast when leaving to tend an ill parishioner who was wor- working on the Titanic as it left the Erling, Holland and Wolf shipyard in 1912. He ended up stuck on the il- ill-fated megaboats, uh, survived the uh, sinking due to his hatred of band music, ended up in New York, built a new life as a baseball journalist, and returned to Belfast for the first time in 1971 to watch George Best play football and feel closer to God. He went to the Carrot after the game to find that his pint had been preserved by three generations of the McSnidget family, ran the pub, and hated waste. And Father O'Callum finished the pint before asking, is my f***ing fish pie ready yet? You owe me a fish pie. Is there anyone on this planet who isn't trying to rip you off? Amen. Uh, that's may or may not be. <laughs> no, okay, I've Only
2: know. one problem with that fact. Okay. Yep. Surprisingly, I think it's unlikely that Father O'Callaghan <laughs> would be in such a renowned orange pub as the Old <laughs> <Kala>. So <laughs> That's
0: my only issue with that okay. whole story. Um, but I guess you have to ask also, you know, why have other attractions sunk down down the rankings whilst the Guinness Storehouse has uh, has risen? Uh, risen to the top. Um, well, bad year I mean, the, for the
2: Acropolis, by the way.
0: Really bad year for the Acropolis. Yes. Well, I mean, just looking at some of the... Well, the, you mentioned the reviews uh, it's had. I mean, some of the reason, reason why it might have sunk down the rankings included th- this kind of feedback from tourists. Second time I've been, they still haven't mended the roof. Uh, another <laughs> says, a relative of mine was struck down recently by one of Zeus's thunderbolts for something. Can't remember what. So I found going to a place dedicated to his daughter, Athene, quite triggering. Um, uh, another person said, still not enough marbles. Um, and uh, one (laughs) final review said I loved the film based on the Acropolis but the original was a real disappointment there was no sign of a river, the jungle was non-existent there was nothing about Colonel Kurtz in any of the museum exhibits and I couldn't smell the napalm at all, seriously disappointed (laughs) so um, that's why the Acropolis is, uh, the Grand Canyon described as just a big empty waste of space too big to do in an afternoon so that's not really what modern tourists are looking for someone else wrote, not my thing, I like going to the beach I don't like going to the canyon um, such is the world of internet reviews and <laughs> some, someone else someone else wrote not great if you're into nightclubbing, it's a canyon and the acoustics are not great for house, disco or techno music. <laughs> I, I guarantee I guarantee the internet someone has written Why have they put it there about the grand canyon.
2: <laughs> I bet you someone has said
1: that. Not very Elegance, convenient yeah, to get yeah, to. <laughs> uh, yeah.
2: Elegance marbles, I have to say, if you ever as a as a non brit going into the British Museum, it just feels like walking around a police auction. <laughs> it just yeah, like, I wonder who used to own that. I wonder who used yeah. to own that.
1: Well um, I do I do feel like that's why there's no British tourist attractions in any of these, like in the the full list of top attractions according to TripAdvisor. We're like we're nowhere near it. There's like twenty-five. We haven't and kind of like with Ireland. With the jail and with the Guinness storehouse, if, it feels a bit like Eurovision. It's like, are they the best tourist attractions or does everyone just really like Irish people? <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs>
0: Just you know,
1: uh, We just won the hang. <laughs>
2: Do you think the Greeks show the Antiques Roadshow but it's called Crime Watch in
0: Athens? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, the Ta- Taj Mahal, uh, bookies favourite this year, disappointing showing for the Taj Mahal. Um, and again, some pretty poor reviews. Uh, this person wrote, not much in it for the adrenaline junkie. You're not allowed to slide down the dome and they won't let you string a bungee rope between the towers. And woe betide you if you even tried to take a jet ski onto the pool at the front of the installation, even though Lilo and a floating beer fridge seemed to be an absolute no-no. Mausoleum, snoresoleum, more like. Uh, another <laughs> person wrote, I-, I didn't like it. I never met the guy's wife, so I don't know if she was actually worth all this architectural fuss. Also, put real pressure on me for my forthcoming wedding anniversary. Uh, and uh, someone else... Um, Said I can't. I can barely get planning permission to put up a bike store where I live, let alone a seventy-three meter high tomb in a seventeen hectare garden. So uh, <laughs> you can see why not everyone likes it these days. <laughs> Sure. Uh, so I mean, I mean, in terms of you know holiday, have you got any sort of ho- particular dream holidays for you know in terms of holiday attractions that you'd particularly like like to go and see? What do you What do you look for
1: holidays? Are important so that you can uh, argue with your family in a different location <laughs> with sunburn. But uh, I like to escape from the bleak dystopia by holding up a toilet seat in front of a picture of a tropical island. Uh, and then taking a picture of it to post on social media and pretending I'm on a plane. And it really (laughs) helps me break away from the daily monotony of posting lies on social media to convince people my life is better than it actually is.
0: (laughs) I think that might be the most succinct uh, summary of 21st century life that anyone's ever done on a bugle. (laughs) No one's going to top that. That was perfect. (laughs) Neil, yeah. what what's your what, what do you look for in a kind of dream holiday destination? Well, the best the best thing I've
2: ever heard on a holiday was at a tourist attraction in Rome. Where I was, uh, I don't know if you've heard of it. Uh, it's called the Colosseum. Oh, A yeah. Uh, yeah. big, big, big one. And uh, there was an American family and they were very kind of Californian in their childcare and very, you know, very reassuring even though was two, two teenage sons battering the shit out of each other. <laughs> and after about 10 minutes, the dad lost his mind and shouted at his two sons. He said, will you stop? fight this is the Coliseum and it's no place for fighting <laughs> <laughs> we, were and we were like Meh. I think it's exactly the place for fighting <laughs> one of those kids should have hit the other one and gone are you not entertained
1: <laughs> well if you can bleep it I can tell you one of the best lines I heard when Don't. I was at I think it was Thought Park where someone just shouted at their husband oh just get on the teacup, cups you <laughs> 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 Which you know can't mm. beat it really.
2: Mm. <laughs> it's the bad language with the gentleness of the teacups, isn't it? Yes, yeah,
1: yeah, it really is.
2: It's like, uh, it's like, <laughs> it's like see, get on the bouncy castle, you <laughs> f***ing <frickin'>
0: prick. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that brings us to the end of this week's bugle one more full bugle this year before we consign 2023 to the history books where it f-ing belongs um <laughs> thank you for uh, listening um don't forget uh that as i said with just a few days a week or so by the time you listen to this uh, possibly uh, to christmas the best christmas present that you can possibly give anyone uh, is a ticket to one of the Bugle live shows in March uh, dotted around uh, the, uh, the UK. Hmm. Best, um,
2: best present, really?
0: Best, yeah, best present, Neil. Best present. Uh, okay. Details on the internet. Uh, also ticket links on the Bugle website where you can also join our Bugle voluntary subscription scheme. Uh, subscribers get access to the exclusive monthly Ask Andy bonus show uh, which, uh, in which I answer your questions. The latest one will be coming out Early uh, next week uh, or this week, depending on when you're listening to it. Um, so uh, there you go. That's my plugs done, Neil. Anything to plug? Yeah, I'm doing some UK. Do- uh, I'm
2: doing some UK dates on the new tour, like the Pleasance in London in April, Hot Water Comedy Club in Liverpool, and the Comedy Box in Bristol. And I do a podcast called Why Would You Tell Me That, where we talk about wild stories that you don't know but you probably should. And this season we've had really interesting guys, including one I think you might like, who's a South African Jewish dude who is the dude who invented Baileys mm. in London wow. in the 1970s. And his name is David Luckman, and he's brilliant. So right. it's stuff like that.
1: I could plug the film that I'm in if you haven't seen it yet. It's on Paramount Plus, and it's about kill a killer sloth. So <laughs> uh, it's called Slother House. So, oh, my you know, God, you're in Slother House. Yeah. Have you not?
2: Did no, you not I'm going to watch that. I didn't know that.
1: Woo-hoo. Oh, yeah. Obviously, the Emmy noms came out uh, at the beginning of the week and sort of bit disappointed not to have got a nod uh, for my scenes with the sloth Uh, definitely would have been supporting because sloth is the lead uh, alpha is the lead but yes uh, it's very silly very fun comedy horror film Uh, so check that out on paramount plus if you're in america and you're listening you can watch it on hulu um, uh, for a bit of fun and listen to episodes of catharsis uh, my, my podcast with the bugle network um, so catch up on those they're available to listen to and you know book a ticket to see me live sometime uh, you can you can check me on social media for when and where I am playing
0: there you go that is all of your Christmas presents sorted out Buglers thank you uh, very much for listening we'll be back next week with Alice Fraser and Josh Gondelman to bid a not very fond farewell to this <laughs> remorseless shit of a year uh, thank you for listening goodbye